So as I was preparing some notes for this week's introduction, um, I started thinking about what I was talking about last week in terms of uh, the evolution of my relationship with poetry. And given that I'm separated from the poetry community, the publishing world that I once was a part of, I guess the question that I had to ask myself both uh, last year when I was preparing these poems and then also this year when I'm putting them in the world as a book is why does this book even exist? Um, and it comes down for me to people. You know, in early 2021, I, um, my, my, disor my disorder, my bipolar disorder was starting to get managed. My symptoms were lessening. The meds were working, all that kind of stuff. And I could kind of start to manage this book. That was my goal for 2021 was to figure out what this book was, what it meant, where it should go, how it should live. Um, because more than anything, um, this is proof that I'm alive. 
uh, for me. That's that's why it felt necessary to put it in the world um, in the same way that not necessarily for praise or for recognition or for either in readership, but um, in the same way that prayers are useful in the same way that um, that mantras are useful. The, the saying of the thing was very useful to me and and I wanted to share that with the at least with the people that I love the most. And so I wanted to kind of talk about how this book is existing and what made me make those decisions and all that. Um, and it comes down to the people and the and my gratitude. So like I said, it's 20 it's early 2021. I've just went through this hell of a decade. Um, and I'm finally for the first time, you know, in my adult life, I feel, I feel, uh, grounded. I feel aware. Um, and so I, but I realized that the reason I'm there is because of the people that didn't give up on me, the people that didn't shame me, the people, um, that confronted me in the hopes that I would get better and that I would take better care of myself. Um, and so this book is a testament to those people's, um, faith in me and love of me. And also it is, uh, it is my form of gratitude to give these poems to people. So I've put these poems out in the world and, in three forms as a book. The first is very simple is a PDF, you know, the word document that I had, I turned into a PDF. I put on my website. I've done that for the last several books, including my first book that was put up by press, uh, on your buddy tgob.com. Just, uh, again, kind of like that, putting it, just throwing it in the world. Um, not with any intention or with any, hope for validation or anything out of that but with the here it is this proof that I'm alive and then the next thing was a physical form and I'm still working on getting those out but I made what I did was I made 50 copies of this um I I wanted it to be a hundred percent me I wanted I haven't done anything in my adult life because because of my illness in in large part um in and in some ways because of my uh support system that was 100% me so i wanted to um do the whole thing myself and make it really representative of where i was so uh one of the things obviously been very important to me is um the gift that my grandpa has given me um even after his passing last year in the in the house that he left me and my family uh in the land that he left us and so so the books themselves are these green are inside these green folders um that he kept exchange student information he was a he was the area's director for a while for the exchange student program and so he had all these folders from the 80s and 90s of exchange students. And 
they were just in these filing cabinets. And so after he passed, I went, I, I was going through them and shredding the documents and getting rid of all that information. Uh, but then I had these green folders that they were in that were these, uh, awesome thick, uh, folders. And, you know, they had the little file tab that had the person's name. So what I did was I was like, I'm going to design for lack of a better term, a book that would be inside this, um, folder. And so I replaced the, on the tab, the exchange student's name with my name. I, um, collaged each, all 50 covers, um, differently, um, you know, and I hand wrote, I want to someone else and often still am on the covers. And then what I did for the inside was I printed off the poems, uh, one poem to a page, no back to back, um, so that each poem existed on its own sheet of paper. And, and I wanted, and so, and I did, I just clipped it with those big binder clips to into the inside of the folder. Cause the idea for me was not that this was some perfect bound book, the way books are glued and everything is in its rightful place, but but that like me, this this book is um, always threatening to kind of fly apart and to kind of remind us that if it does, it's okay. Um, we can we can print new poems. We can, we can, we, poems aren't as precious. Things aren't as precious as we pretend they are sometimes. And so I want you know, if people wanted to pull one out and hang it on their fridge, if people didn't like a poem and wanted to throw it away, if they didn't like any of the poems and they wanted to write on the pages, they wanted to edit the pages, if their kids want to draw pictures for the poems, whatever whatever they wanted to do, uh, I wanted to surrender some of that intentionality um, in this book. And so here they are, these green folders from my grandpa's life, um, repurposed for this book and put together in a way that was me. And so what I did was I made a list of the 50 people who, uh, kept me going these last several years. Um, so, and I mentioned them in the gratitude section of this podcast and in the gratitude and the acknowledgement section of the book. So I won't list them here, but all these family members and loved ones and friends and community members who checked on me, who invited me over, who um, spent time with me, who gave me their shoulder to cry on, who, you know, who communicated with me in thoughtful and effective ways, and who kept me, quite frankly, alive to finish this book. And so so I've been gift, gifting into them with an, another thing that I was really excited about was I also, in this house, found all these old notepads from uh, that my grandpa had saved uh, from the old high school and here in town. And so it's this real old uh, writing paper. And so I started uh, tearing those out and writing notes for each person, uh, individualized thank you notes for each person that I was giving the book to. Uh, included and to include inside that folder um and so that just that every time I get to give one to someone uh it furthers our connection and it and it uh increases 
the expression of my gratitude. And so, um, it's a real privilege to get to do that. Um, for sure. And then the last thing is this podcast. This is the third form of the book. Um, I've been obsessed with podcasting for the last five or six years. Uh, I've tried my hand at it in various ways. You know, this podcast started as interviewing people in my community that were inspiring to me and my, uh, quest to be a better person. And, you know, this kind of next stage is, uh, using this platform for my own self-expression and self-reflection. And so I wanted to see how a podcast that is also um, a book of poems could work. And and so, yeah, and I don't need to, exp- you're listening to this, so you know, you see how it works. But what was fun too is like the, the opening song of each episode is a new kind of, I'm, as I kind of continue to try to expand my horizons as an artist, I've been playing with GarageBand. And so it's me learning how to make beats and sounds on GarageBand. And so I, I read that section of poems. I pick out a phrase from one of the poems and I write, um, and I make a little, uh, piece of music on GarageBand as the as the opening track for each episode. So that's really fun. Um, uh, yeah. And so thank you for listening to those and they're probably not great. And I know that, and that's another thing that's always been important to me in art is the act of trying over the act of perfection. Um, and so I want to continue that vulnerability and continue that, uh, quest through this podcast. Yeah. So that's, kind of why this book exists and how it's existing and yeah and so let's let's talk about some poems and move on from this sorry this was a little rambly intro but it'll be all right i hope it gave some insight but anyways so here's i think today we're doing six poems um and i think yeah today for some reason i kept kind of focusing on uh, how they were written and how they were edited. So I want to give some insight to that. First poem's called Sleeping Got Granted Some Iffy Attempts. Um, and it's a really good example of a poem that, of editing down. Um, I've always been a long poem guy, uh, stretch out, uh, throwing everything at the wall kind of guy. And, you know, I had a, I had a great teacher, in poetry, Matt Hart, who, you know, once said that, like, every poem should start out at two pages long, at least, and then we can work our way back. It's easier to kind of work our way down. And, and this was one of those. Uh, it's a short poem that used to be very long, uh, kind of musing on sleeping and my sleep problems. Uh, the next poem, But Little Comfort Did I Find?, is very much a longer poem. It's two pages long, uh, but it's it's also an example of what I talked about earlier and not remembering writing it. Um, yeah, and so so when you, it's just an interesting feeling. Here's this thing that expresses something of myself, but I don't remember expressing it. And so when you're editing it, it's it's like you're discovering it. 
you know, it's, it's a really exciting thing. Um, and one of the things in this poem that I discovered that I wrote that I really like is there's a couplet in the middle of the poem that says, why am I this? Why aren't I a pelican? And for some reason that just brings me great joy. Um, cause why aren't I a pelican? And then the last four poems of this section are Texas poems, um, poems reflecting on my time in Texas, poems written, um, after I moved back to Indiana, that kind of stuff. This poem, In Love with a Garden Gnome, is the first poem I wrote when I returned to Indiana, uh, in the summer of 2019. Uh, this poem is called Songs by Trevor Borden, I really like, and... Uh, you know, Trevor Borden uh, was a friend of my ex-wife, and he's a wonderful musician whose work I fell in love with and got to see play a lot and got to do some stuff with, and that was great. Um, and after my wife left, I couldn't listen to his work. I can't really engage with the work of people associated with her for a while. Just It just hurt too much, and recently... I was able to re-listen to uh, this EP uh, that that Trevor put out and and feel the way I used to feel about it and without the uh, drag of some of that heartbreak. Um, and so that's been a really special reconnection to art in that way. Um, the next poem is The Pound of Dust. And this is a good example of how I how I, in this collection I put poems together, you know, uh, I think I've mentioned it, but my mentor, Dean Young, when I started grad school, gave me this really great talk about how I knew, how, uh, you know, I had really busy, energetic, um, wild, uh, fission material, the content of the poem, but in order for people to read it and to grasp it, I needed to work on, uh, the reactor that I'm putting that vision material in, the container of the poem. And so what I did for this was I did, uh, you know, I was using some forms. I was also using um, syllabics a lot, counting syllables for each line and uh, making even stanzas. So this poem is six stanzas of six lines each, except the end stanza, the sixth stanza, breaks in half and there's only three lines. And then each line in the whole poem is 12 syllables per line. Um, so just kind of a fun way to think about how we put poems together um, to kind of contain the wildness of the poem. And then the last one called Just Yesterday is another that I don't remember writing. Um, and another one that was very messy in its origin and... I realize it's kind of like sculpting. We have this big piece of clay or a big piece of rock, and you're you're making you're you're just you take it's still the same material, but you're unearthing and revealing what's in that mess. Um, and so that's what I hope to try to do here. Yeah, so let's read some freaking poems. Sleeping got granted some iffy attempts. I will admit the last couple decades, sleeping got granted some iffy attempts. Mostly crying, juggling my genitals like chainsaws, and never learning the point fossilized inside. 
Lately, I promise my darnness I have been mustering an attempt to sleep. Meditating, no more peanut butter after midnight. I pulled a quilt over my head, half finished by my great-grandmother, herself fully finished, meaning she dead. So whatever essence of herself left as flakes on this fabric, she should share a thing or several. The Sensational Secret to Slumber. Title for a book I'll never write. But little comfort did I find. The night hours did tick, but little comfort did I find. I fell from the bed, half bolted awake, arms stretched out like Jesus. Then I face planted on the hardwood floor, and I hurt my back. The space around my body, loud and blurry, I ride it like a skateboard. I am a tumble, as frost begets a slick hillside, an ancient hole. I am a forgotten tune, or sailed back please. Shut it down, I say, through my cold fingers to de-escalate, to deflate. Let's wake up and witness how the colors mix in the morn. Lots of bluesy anthems at first and now browns, barbed wire of worry. Don't complete them, then incomplete I sure am. Don't reconstitute, then destitute I sure am. Why am I this? Why aren't I a pelican? Who deserves a hug, and can the sandwich even care? What a mess, what a man, as I am covered in pudding. Everyone else, they cry into their corn salad. Is there a word for when it's not safe here? The howling quite loud. I smell horribly from a day that does this. I might pick some flowers into the morn hours. I wish this poem might land, but nothing but seizured bits, ankled syntax. You won't believe this exhaustion of being part liar, part dummy. My hands stink and are this sticky like, oh, this is what happens. The wife leaves, friends disintegrate, even my mother went woe. The blabber blurs, disrupts, and a chew, sorry to lose you. It was the deal, respect even in the weeds. Yes, sure, but are you there or not? It rattles too loudly, I'm afoot for trying, life aches too loudly. I'm tottering on the edge of madness, not a new thing but the grinding. Time helps in honoring my five senses or more, helps eliminate it, helps in sleep if ever it comes, helps in tight white teeth, helps. Just letting myself squirm, beaten by the sound of the taste of the worry. This is real, a legit breakdown. I am a done cracked almond. In love with a garden gnome. The lost tourniquet squirrel in love with the garden gnome is how I entered the big city. Back then a good better bit skinny and already blur brained but with less words to situate why I felt so dang skitter scattered. A scratch of a self. When first arrived I was disheveled little bit drunk to be totally honest. I imagined I'd last two weeks or sirened by this desire and selfishly I'd hang out the whole of my life over under at the time being 40. But as someone said, things change. Today I paused the moment between picking vegetables and watching washing vegetables. The wind blew hard leftovers of tornadoes in Missouri. Like a lightning bug in the house, a flicker passed. 
Once Michael offered lines on the road, painted so terribly, so twisted, so tangled, we laughed and laughed. Me yelling how, and Michael responding, I don't know. And that, to be honest, catastrophe of yellow, it reflected more than any painting I have witnessed. A few weeks later, my dad arrived. He of the bones that honed me, he of the humor that bore me. I drove him straight to the lines, no clue someone had pulled the lines tight. My dad, he said, some beautiful lines. Voila, the disappointment, it floated away, or at least went elsewhere, how I have drifted elsewhere, back home to Indiana. Please don't say the middle of nowhere. People live here, and I'm one again, in whatever capacity I blink awake. Rust head, dust head, cuss head, fuss head, and so on. Songs by Trevor Borden I really like. I drive through a county I've never known before, singing one of the four songs by Trevor Borden I really like. Which is more to say, these particular ones vibrate so excellently, the other good songs look like chickadees in the shadow of the tiger. And swept up in the collage of unfamiliar space, lyric spirituality, and one last bite of sandwich, I mismumble the words and pause the tape and continue my thinking as such. When I imagine it, it only takes one variable to watch the whole house crumble. The hoagie scarfed into a variant means of energy. The mechanism I am riding, squeaking, and eventually unhinged, gone, erased. My imagination paints the end of the world, something like the boy in a hat in the boat on the still water next to the barn of the painting, hung above my grandmother's bed. After she had her leg lopped off, its own omen of end times to come. For then, I was there to climb on the counter, to stuff her wheelchair in the van so we could drive across the bridge and through the snow to the market for gummy worms, to the park so I could dig earthworms for the fishing trip that weekend. Oh, but what about the boy, you ask? He is there no longer, only the hat come to a rest in the boat on the water still. The Pound of Dust On the way to Texas at the end of August, the pound of dust, which each year escapes this body, and went whoosh all at once to expel the fibers and filaments from the last go-round the sun. Dead stars added to a confident field. I am too busy to bother, too experienced to keep on buoyed to this damned caboose. Once to grow up meant stepping up to the front. Dreams at last have taken on reality. A single cantaloupe from Illinois is the father, or is it proper to say mother, of all the world's penicillin. Once a miracle drug capable of ending everything, including poor hedge trimming, but now it cannot manage the meekest of the genital warts. Oh, I may still be asleep after all. I am not one to be gracefully surprised. There it was, bottle of booze. It was obvious someone had confused my truck for another meant to haul booze away from this wedding. Mine was meant for flowers. Brendan was there and can tell you about it. Turns out we are capable of more than these five senses. And no, I speak not of the sixth. Seeing dead people, knowing it is about to rain, bullshit detector, etc. 
I intend to be well equipped to not fall down when approaching oblivion. My chin, it has never let me down. I am the product of 7 million odd tons of scrap iron and you can take that to the bank. My sense of smell, it is something compared to I remaining unhampered by what overwhelms. Even passing subway is enough to make me quiver. Even sniffing these begonias bequeaths groans comparable to murder, treason, worthless dandelions. I buy a sunken ship for my brother. He could pass not a door without hearing a hinge echo like our mother lunging towards the toilet. Could not eat a bologna sandwich without stiffness in his cauliflower ear. Never once could he dare ask how my day was. Just yesterday. Crutches sprout around the stupid city. Just yesterday, you spotted a donkey at the petting zoo pull one apart with its teeth. Those 38 repurposed moons acquiring something like pleasure, nourishment. Then today, I discovered a hedge plant. Tiny crutches dangling in the hundreds from its greenest tips. A family frolicked towards the bush and I shifted my vision towards the sunset. The prophet who lives under the Lamar Street Bridge says we will find a pair of pears. Two crutches for you and two for me poked out of the sidewalk like feed corn. Recognized and grand and in the end inadequate. If we are not careful, we might convince ourselves, saddle up and balance here forever. I must get back to the country, my mystic drum. Be done with these synthetic habitats, urban clams, vibrating overpasses. I hear the autumn's first snap of an ear, a signal my family continues, is... First, thank you for listening. Thank you to all my friends and family for the visits, phone calls, and correspondences for making sure I stayed alive to finish this manuscript, including, but certainly not limited to, Zach Sadie and the Hunter Boys, Josh Cayley and Violet Lee, Jess Council and her crew, Jason Arnold, Steph Pappy and the Arnold Boys, Tracer Towner and family, Clark Moser, Darren Eaton, Marie Ponce de Leon, Paz Pardo, Enrique Lozano, and Elias, Jonna Henry, and Charlie Martin, Cody Van Buskirk and family, Larry Nutt, Dan Keelish, the Murray family, Jamie Crawford, the Avant family, Jesse Bearden, Matt Spencer, Judd Ferris, Tim and Christina Durr, Gia Murata, Eric Matson, Hannah Margolin, Lacey Patterson, Heather Collier and family, Eric Clough, Lori Sauerborn, Brendan McLean, Melody and Marie Smith, Terry Tan, Morgan Jackman and family, the Tyner and Gobble families. Thank you to the artists that kept me churning during this process slash processing, state champion Dean Young, Mary Rufel, Landon Caldwell, Anthony Ray Wright, Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, Pete Holmes, C.D. Wright, the Felice Brothers, Maria Bamford, 
Abraham Smith, Ada Lamone, Francis Picabia, Bill Burr, Will Alexander, Ross Gay, D.A. Powell, Phoebe Bridgers, David Berman, In the Face of War, David Blaine, David Bazan, The Creators of King of the Hill, May May Bruce and Bruges, Lucy Brock Broido, John Ashbery, Kenneth Koch, and Frank O'Hara. Thanks to the folks who gave me places to go to be both myself and someone else. The Elwood Disc Golf Enthusiast, the Anderson Disc Golf Club, Power Barn, the Waking Up app, all the guests and friends of the Future Barn podcast, Bill Simmons and the Ringer Network, and the Windmill Tavern. Thanks to any mental health professional that has held my wobbly head, both figuratively and literally, over these past decades especially Ruby Joe Walker. Thank you to my ancestors for the guidance and the gifts, including most recently Fred Tyner and Tony Gobble, and most historically significant Joanne Tyner and Ricky Gobble. Thank you also to my teachers for their guidance and their gifts, most recently Ram Das and Sam Harris, and most historically significant Todd McKinney, and Dean Young. Thank you to the most supportive and patient parents around, Jeff and Tammy Gobble, for accepting my many parts. Thank you to the light that's gone away, Diana Lynn Small, for the years of loving and the lessons of leaving. Thank you to the light that always stays, Jenny Bug, for being a badass dog. <laughs>